0: Welcome to today, and welcome to Death Valley Girls Podcast. I'm Bonnie, and I talk to heroes about what excites them, and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. This week, we have hero Beth Pratt. Beth is an author, wildlife advocate, conservation leader, and best friend of the beloved mountain lion P22. Beth is an amazing person, and her story and love for P22 and all wildlife is super inspiring. So excited for you to hear this episode! Please go visit her website to learn everything about Beth and her incredible journey. I'll link it below. And now, please welcome to your head and heart, Beth Pratt. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for coming here. I'm a super big fan of yours, and um, I'm just so excited weird to, to, to talk have to fans. you. And,
1: uh, is it yeah I mean I'm just a you know I'm a wildlife advocate I mean I love what I do but it's it's great because that means like you can't you know you care about wildlife so that's good
0: (laughs) yeah well you have so many fans I get and I guess that must um I I can understand that as I don't have like a it's not like anyone knows my name it's more just the band name so if someone knew my name I guess it would be pretty weird but yeah, I am a fan of yours, and I do want to be sensitive to the fact that you just had a loss, um, and I'm so sorry about that, um, but I do want to talk about that, if that's okay with you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it has been weird. I mean, it, it is funny. Most of my work, I have to be a public figure, you know, even before P22's death, and um, but I'm actually kind of an introvert. I mean, I'm good at being an extrovert, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm much happier when I'm at home reading and not having to talk, but yeah, it, it, it was really, um, I don't know. Interesting is the word I use when I'm not quite sure how to evaluate it, but I'm yeah. an animal person. I have, you'll probably, my dogs will wander through here. I have five dogs and two cats, Wow. but so I've
0: exciting. had to,
1: yeah, I've had to, I've lost so many animals in my lifetime, had to use and, you know, had to euthanize be there when they were euthanized and, but I also, So that's grief, but I didn't at the same time have to talk about it on CNN. And that was really interesting. I had to do my job, yet I was also grieving. And it wasn't bad. In fact, in some respects part of the worldwide attention to p 22s death really helped get me through it but it was just odd i don't know how yeah. celebrities do it right where <laughs> yeah where everything they go through is public uh you know that that yeah. was odd but yeah no i mean that's let's talk i mean we should talk about it
0: yeah well i did i recently listened to a, a podcast about um a person who was going through grief right before uh this whole situation with p22 and i was just like wow like Before I talked to you, I was like, is this even right? But I was like, yeah, it it is your life work and so important. And I guess I was wondering, like, in my mind, when I or when I talked to the podcast editor or whatever, I was like, I think it's P22's best friend. What would you what do you call yourself in terms
1: of P22? that that was uh that's what i think i have on like my twitter and facebook okay was p22's bff i mean okay people call me his agent his manager his pr rep i mean but i I like p22's bff
0: okay (laughs) yeah that's great and is uh like can you talk about i guess your um just life but what at what point you found out about p22 at what point you became his bff uh you know just the whole um the history of of your relationship to him if that's okay
1: oh absolutely sure and yeah i i you know i'm curious if you were asking him if he considered me his bff if he would answer that uh, (laughs) um he uh, (laughs) you know I think sometimes he was in Griffith Park like what is that blonde chick doing now she's got a t-shirt made (laughs) she's carrying around my likeness but when I got to meet him at the end um, he didn't seem to hold it against me but um, yeah I think listen I've been joking about this trying you know I'm Irish from Boston so of course when we have tragedy we always try to find humor but Uh, you know p22 is the longest serious relationship of my life and you know he was love at first sight um and i don't think it's an accident that he was the longest serious relationship of my life in that we only met once right that (laughs) probably explains why it was such a lasting relationship but uh he um yeah i came discovered him like a lot of people did especially in la which was that first article that the la times wrote in 2012. Um, Martha Groves, who will actually be at the Celebration of Life, wrote it, and it was kind of a, they didn't even name them in the headline at the time. It was uh, Mountain Lion, you know, makes a home in Griffith Park, and at the time, I had just started my job with the National Wildlife Federation. For my job, I was working on a book about California wildlife, so I called up really initially about the, just as almost like a little side story in the book, and uh, I almost didn't believe it. I was like, "There is no way there's an yeah. living in Los Angeles." <laughs> I um I admit, uh, until working on P22, I had I'm not from California. I'm from Boston, but California's home. I've been here what 32, 33 years now. But like any good snobbish Northern Californian, you don't go to LA much, and yeah. maybe been there half a dozen times. Oh, okay. Um, and called up Jeff Sickich, the biologist named in the article at the time. I didn't know him. Now he's a really good friend. And I was like, is this true? Like I thought yeah. it was fake news. Wasn't a term yeah, back. Then, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I would have used it. I was like, this has to be <laughs> fake news. And, um, so I went down to LA. I'd never been to Griffith park. And I was like, this is here. Oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And, and he took me out tracking P22. We, we didn't see him, but we got you know kind of close to him. And he told me not just about P-22's plight, but all the mountain lions in the Santa Monica mountains in the LA area, what they were facing with our roadways and isolation. And I just, there was something about what P-22 had, you know, crossing these freeways. And and Jeff also drove me like what P-22 had to oh, his wow. journey. And it just like, there was this like immense empathy for this animal who was trying to make it. it. was the only way he could live in the most improbable places. And I think that's where it was really love at first sight. And then at the end of the day, I turned to Jeff and was like, so, you know, how can I help with your work? This is so important. And he, you know, it was like, well, there's this like wildlife crossing we're trying to get built? And I'm like, sure, how hard can it be? Like yeah. not, not knowing that was gonna be 10 years of my life and a hundred million dollars I had to raise, but um, <laughs> oh wow. So yes, that is how um how P22 came to me. <laughs>
0: that's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. so are are you I, I know you've written a bunch of books, but are you like you would say that animals, um, that's your passion.
1: Yeah, animals have always in um, animals and what, you know, wildlife, both um, domestic. Again, I've always I blame it on my parents growing up. We always had like we were the house that took in every stray. We had oh, cool. and dogs and cats and gerbils and, you know, mom fed the birds. So I grew up just um, around animals. Now, where I grew up in Massachusetts, the you know, the the biggest wildlife I was going to see was a squirrel, you know, or a turtle, right. you know, the at that point, Wildlife had been really banished from the suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs of Boston and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had frogs and squirrels and birds and a turtle and, uh, no, but not even like a raccoon or like, wow. now, if you go back to my neighborhood now at schools, they have deer and bobcats and coyotes. And, but oh, when wow. I was, yeah, when I was growing up, it had been, you know, eradicated. So what? I didn't have big stuff to connect to. It was the little stuff like frogs.
0: Right. <laughs> Sorry. That's, I. Sorry to interrupt you but no, I guess, interrupt. what do you uh now what do you mm-hmm. attribute the animals being back to what how did they get back home
1: Yeah you know for the longest time um you know there was a both a scientific notion and also I think a cultural notion that you know animals should not be where people are and you know I mean we have a long history in this uh not just this country but of eradicating predators and eradicating um wildlife and making human landscapes. So I think both the tolerance has increased over time, but also the animals coming back themselves, right? They had been banished and poisoned and hunted okay. and uh, all that stuff. But so both the tolerance increased, but also um, their ability to come back, you know, um, you know, P-22 is a great example of that, right? Yeah. There had been a, a mountain lion in Griffith Park sighted for decades, probably could, you know, they had been banished, but they're starting to expand. Coyotes are a great example of this in any city. They had been, you know, tried to banished and hunted and poisoned, but they keep coming back. You can't, they, you can't hold them down. uh, You know? uh,
0: Yeah. No, that's so interesting. There's definitely, I mean, I live in um, in Los Angeles and I live in Elysian park. Um, Oh yeah. And so uh, coyotes are a daily, daily Mm -hmm. thing. That's just really, I mean, I, and I, I grew up in los angeles so seeing mammals is like wasn't as common when i was a kid but now i mean it's like my favorite thing um but i i think it's so cool to just have uh just have yeah found that story and and really became an advocate for him um and as i think that's super cool um and so like i guess there's you're a conservation leader um what does that, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, I, you know, uh, it means running around with a cardboard cutout of a mountain lion talking about improving <laughs> their dating lives, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, So my, you know, my career has been a little different than, like, sort of the typical environmentalist, Um, you know, I have a scientific training, and I consider myself a scientist, okay. but it's not my day job, it's not my day job, I'm not, it is not, you know, that's like Jeff and Seth and the National Park Service study. Um, my, I consider my job um, putting science in action. So the National Park Service tells me these mountain lions are in trouble and here's what we need to do, build a wildlife crossing. But me as a conservation leader is right, how do we make that happen? And that, uh, you know, is a number of things then. How do we get the funds? How do we build the public support? How do we make sure mountain lions are protected? How do we make sure, uh, you know, people can coexist you know, and and feel safe. like it's it's being a conservation leader like that, um is you know, it's almost like quarterbacker, you know just <laughs> uh, or bringing all the different and like that was our my role with the wildlife crossing and p twenty two, right? You had all these wonderful partners, like the Park service, the um Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy, Caltrans, um you know, all doing stuff, but like nwf what our organization overall does well is like sort of being the 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 people that sort of facilitate the collaboration so um so for me it's almost like coach or i'm I'm not even sure what the app description but but um somebody described me as like the mayor of um the crossing in p22 and that like it is kind of creating a community around this work and ensuring that everybody's rowing, you know, in the same direction. So it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So I love it because it's, it's really interesting. You know, it's a lot, right. uh, Carrying, uh, a cutout around of of P twenty two and talking about the dating lives of you yeah. know the, the real cougars of L A not not the house, <laughs> um, but no um, I you know I have a science background and um, undergrad um, but I'm not a scientist it's not my day job um, I um, also have an MBA right so my my uh, role has been conservation leadership so executive director and and what it is is making I I sort of translate it into turning science into action so like the National Park Service tells me these mountain lions are threatened here's the science behind it and here's what we need to do we need to build a wildlife crossing then that's my job to assemble what we need to do all facets whether you know the public support um the funding the agency support you know bringing all the partners together and making sure that we we all row in the same direction to make something happen. There's some incredible partners with the wildlife crossing that again, we were sort of the last one, but that's what the National Wildlife Federation, my organization does well. We are known as kind of um, facilitators to collaborate on large scale projects. So that was me trying to just, you know, keep everybody on track, do what was needed. And of course get the public support and raise the funding, but also a little deeper, overall is to also just broadly get support for and connect people. It's not just about sort of the science and it's not just about, you know, the conservation action and stuff, but um, it's about ensuring that people connect to wildlife and love it, you know, and, and, and have these connections that then lead to people accepting coyotes in their neighborhoods right so yeah i think as a, as a little girl that's what brought me to conservation it wasn't science although we need the science don't get me wrong we need it yeah. but none of us I, I think most of us don't love wildlife because of the scientific papers because when we were kids or even as adults <laughs> something captured our imagination i watched Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom or Flipper. You know, I had frogs in my backyard. So I think that's part of it is this kind of almost storytelling um, that is part of my job, too, to make sure that people are connecting with wildlife in meaningful ways. Yeah, I guess
0: I just I, I'm sorry, but this is a hero's podcast. I, I usually say that at the beginning and I tell the person like you are on a hero's podcast oh. <laughs> um, because you are a hero. But I think all of those things that you said are totally true, but the way that you spun this tale uh, is just, I think is like, I mean, it's just the most amazing thing ever. Cause yes, that all of those things are the goal, but the way you made P22 exciting to everyone and made it something that, I mean, people, I didn't even know would ever even think about anything outside of their, you know, phone and, car and whatever their little inner circle are like talking about wildlife which is I mean you did like a really 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 great job and I I know that uh you know you're you know I know you're scientists scientist and all those other things but it just it's so funny it was so funny like uh how he's you know a bachelor and all that stuff and just finding all of those things is is really just amazing and I, I had to just tell you again it's like I it, as much as uh anyone might be a a conservation leader you're you're a hero you're amazing and you did such a great job and uh yeah it's so cool and you made it fun I think that that's something that usually is what's missing with most of these stories is um people are used to hearing things from fear or motivated by Mm -hmm. greed or whatever else but you just made it fun um and I think that it's historic. <laughs> I just really well, wanted
1: you. to. I, I mean, thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, it was a lot of work and a lot of advice. <laughs> Listen, this was not easy, and I don't feel like a hero. I just feel like like this is my passion, and to me, it was a moral imperative. Like, how dare I not do something now that I know I can try to fix it? Right. I mean, I feel sometimes really helpless when I see the polar bears starving because I do feel helpless to fix that. But when Jeff told me, I'm. I, just remember very clearly that day, like you just need a wildlife crossing to fix that. Well, shoot, that's, we can, that's like, we can get that done, but, but you're right. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm not saying this to give myself curious, but it, 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 was different in precedent setting. And early on, I got a lot of flack. I still get flack for it. Um, even some people at my own organization are like, how dare you anthropomorphize? How dare you, you know, you can't carry a cutout around. You can't talk about mountainized dating and and I, um, Sorry. yeah, I mean, cause like when I was coming up, you know, I'm God, it's, it's a little scary to admit college was over 30 years ago, but you know, the dominant view of what you were trained as a scientist, not that I ever bought into this Is more, I'm, you know, I'm a scientist, but I'm also an animal rights person. Right. So yeah. I think I'm the perfect blend of, yeah. And science, <laughs> so is, too. Yeah, science <laughs> is now showing us, that all, what us all animal people knew for years, it's, you know, animals have language and culture and feel pain. And so I think science is catching up to those of us who had emotional connections all along. But we were taught back then, you don't name animals, you don't anthropomorphize, you don't. And, you know, nowadays, I'm like, come on, that's just stupid. Like anthropomorphize, yeah. we are animals. So why wouldn't we anthropomorphize? Because they do behave, if not exactly like us. Um, but we still get some flack for it. Like, listen, there were some articles around P22's death, which listen, people can disagree, I have no problem with it, but that were like literally criticizing us for crying when we made the announcement. Like, how can you criticize compassion? Like, you just, you're like, sorry, that's the old school that is just, you need to, like, history's not going to be on your side if you're right. speaking with, don't be compassionate about wildlife. So yeah, it was unprecedented. I think part of that was my compassion side, but also my MBA kicking in. Like, I kind of joke, you asked at the beginning, like what title... I also sometimes liken myself to like Ari on Entourage, you know. If you watch (laughs) the show, like you know, I mean, I also knew P twenty two would be good as a you know the sort of face of this campaign because I saw how people were responding, including myself, to his story. So you know, there was part of that was really purposeful. Once I saw how people reacted to him, but it mostly came from a place of compassion that he he was he was a remarkable animal and um you know again i'm just i'm just so grateful i get to be on the planet at the same time it's it's you know oh, yeah. i liken it to like being on the planet with like great artists you know that um you know, i got to hear their music or got to you know w- or read their books like i'm just glad our our times on this planet coincided.
0: um i guess i didn't realize that about uh science scientific training or science in school is is it is it changing at
1: all uh, yeah i think there's a big change i mean there's a few things that have changed one is this sort of urban wildlife movement right um i you know again that view of conservation for so long what i was taught in schools is you put the animals in the national parks and the wildlife refuges and you put the people here and never the two should meet um you know i did a ted talk uh, early on in p22 And one of my, you know, I, again, I live up near Yosemite, um, most of the time, although I consider LA a second home and one of my Yosemite colleagues, you know, who I worked with for years, I worked in Yosemite for 10 years. Um, I did this talk about P22 and how we really needed to us as people had to adapt to wildlife in our human spaces because, you know, the number one threat to wildlife worldwide was loss of habitat. We had to start sharing our space. Um, and also this notion of connectivity had to run through our human spaces. And so I'm going over like the P-22 story and how people were shared, you know, and she comes up to me after, and she- you know, we're friends, but she's like, oh my God, you just did a talk on everything I've spent my life trying to avoid. We, you know, we don't want people together. And, and I remember right. her saying um, to me, you know, well, you know, studies have been shown that, that wildlife are more stressed in cities. And I'm like, well, I'm more stressed in a city. Isn't it? Right. So <laughs> yeah. but does that mean they don't get to live? I mean, come on. Yeah. So, I do think now you have like the international urban wildlife conference. So I think this, this consideration of wildlife being in our urban spaces is changed whole scale. And also yeah how we, tr- how we consider and value wildlife, at least in California. And I think in other areas of the country, it is like even P22 in any other state in this country, if he had shown up in a Griffith park, he would have been shot or removed immediately upon detection 10 mm-hmm. years ago. So yeah. California has this, what I think is a really wonderful ethic and what I do hope the, and I think the world is getting to, I mean, look at, you know, movies like, um, blackfish and you know showing that we need to think about how we live with animals differently yeah. and treat them that and um California Fish and Wildlife about god six or seven years ago changed their name from California Fishing Game to show that people valued wildlife beyond right. a meal right oh that's and, interesting yeah yeah so california has this i think really progressive wildlife ethic which i love but i think the world's catching on we are now seeing that animals we're not the top we are you know, we are all animals. We're all part of the same ecosystem. Um, and we're not better or worse. Uh, we all have, you know, I can't smell as good of a dog. Uh, octopus yeah. is way smarter than me, right? So I, I do think the world's changing towards animals. And California is probably, um, you know, uh, the leader in this in some respects. I mean, just look at how in P-H's death, it is unprecedented for, um, you know, a. a wildlife agency to let a wildlife activists like me in the room to yeah. make an announcement to do a video announcement about the decision to euthanize like that is a game changer and it's good it's, it's good yeah
0: no it's incredible and I, I think it's interesting because there's not you know there's there's a few times where what's happening with like social media and everyone's access to seeing everything and having opinions time. There's a few examples of one that's good. And I feel like this is a situation where they did the right thing um, for whatever reason, but also like they knew people were watching. And so I feel like that played a role in, in doing the right thing and actually trying to be moral rather than just, you know, do what uh, is typical. But I do think that that's super interesting that I guess like if you think of I, I, I'm not a religious folk, but I guess a person that's super religious might think animals are different than people. And I guess it's just kind of weird. This is the first time I've ever heard or thought about that science kind of thinks that way, too. I think that that's so strange that uh, it's just that just is blowing my mind. But I guess I did want to read um. A quote that you have on your uh website or part of a quote
1: oh. by Henry Beston? Yeah, actually, it's so funny. I was just about to quote that when you said yeah. that. Yeah, yeah no, okay. but I hate it. It's it's one of my favorite quotes. I yeah. love this
0: quote. Part is in a world older and more complete than ours, animals, they are more uh finished and complete, gifted with extensions of the senses we have lost or never attained, living by voices we shall never hear like that is mind blowing. It's just, yeah, they have, I think, I I mean, I'm, I, I believe in everything. And I think like when people talk about being psychic or all of these things, it's like dogs are psychic. Their noses are so incredible that they can smell a dog that was there five hours ago and, you know, all of these things. And it's just so incredible that, uh, yeah, just to think of their the, I guess, what do you think, and I, you've already answered it kind of, but people's perception of animals is changing? Do you think-
1: Yeah, and I think it's good. Yeah, and if you complete that quote, I love the last part. Oh, yeah, go ahead. It, it gets at what um, the ethic I'm going for and what I think we saw with P22 is what he says, they are not brethren, they're not underlings. They are other nations caught with ourselves in the net of life and time, fellow prisoners of the splendor and travail of the earth. And I think that is perfect. Like, Peace Ranger wasn't a yeah. pet. He was a, you know, we'd yeah. wave to him, people, but, you know, <laughs> he recognized he was part of our world in yeah. a way that, I, to me, was inherently hopeful. And that's what I want for all, like, that we give wildlife the same considerations we give our usual neighbors. Now, I don't talk to all my neighbors. I don't have them all <laughs> over for dinner. And that's great, but... I mean, that's the same thing with wildlife. You see a coyote walking through your yard. Hey, how's it going? You're like, we don't fear them. We also don't try to make them pets, but they just become a part of our world in a way that I think historically we have separated ourselves from and thought ourselves above them or not part. Listen, if anything, the pandemic has been, I think a big wake up for many that, you know, in climate, you know, that we are not, um, you know, we're part of nature we might forget it sometimes but yeah. we are not immune in fact nature bats last and and part of why <laughs> we had when uh, we're still kind of in a pandemic um was because we disrupted healthy ecosystems so you, even if you don't like mountain lions and don't want them around um you probably want them around because you start pulling a mountain lions out of like if we killed all the mountain lions in LA I can you know, this isn't a very scientific um, because you can never say for sure, but I would say my money is on that would disrupt human health pretty quickly. You would see resounding effects. You know, science has shown that you, you pull out top predators in any landscape, you know, then you have a deer overpopulation. There's been like where I grew up, as we talked about, you know, we didn't have Anything very big on the landscape um, back east when I was growing up, and in fact, still the Eastern Panther, another name for mountain lion, just mountain lion, went extinct years ago. What do you have back east? Overpopulation of deer. What do you also have back east? Way high incidences of Lyme disease.
0: Oh wow! The yeah,
1: the deer. So some scientists have called like bring the the cougar back, bring the Eastern Panther back, because you know we start messing with the world that we think ourselves outside of uh, you get a pandemic, you get disease, you get any number of things. So I think that gets back to, yes, I think, um, not just California, but overall, again, I I cite like Blackfish is changing attitudes about killer whales, um, you know, on and on. I think that we are, as a society, sort of grappling with, animals the old myths about them don't you know don't track I mean what does it say like like again I'm vegan um once in a while I'll eat some cheese but pretty much (laughs) vegan um never eat meat again I mean when you learn that a pig is actually like a dog you know it's a lot harder to to eat a pig yeah I mean no for sure yeah and I think that now and that I agree with you for me listen, any technology can be used for ill. I, I do not share the notion that, um, you know, social media is bad. Remember, I mean, you're younger, but books were once thought of as bad, right? They burn, right. you know, so um, it's people who are behind social media, you know? I mean, I, I always say Hitler didn't need social media to rise up, right? So, right. Um, but yes, any technology can be used for bad. But I do think when and when it comes to wildlife, and animals, social media has been good because it does allow like a P22 where people can build a relationship and learn more about wildlife and they become less scary. And, yeah. and that opens the door for this new ethic you're you're asking about.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I feel like that that movie Blackfish, I feel like things like that that are does just break open this this knowledge to people that they didn't have. And I, I
1: don't know. I know or my octopus's have... key te- you know, teacher. Yeah, that, that's
0: amazing.
1: And, and and that these things can be shared more widely. Like again, when I was growing up, like you had right. one shot to see something once a <laughs> yeah. year on TV, right? You you yeah. or once a year in the movies. You did yeah. not have so that that a, a video of how an octopus is a being that has intelligence can be shared a million times. That is exposure that we wouldn't have had, you know, right. ten years ago. And yes, that gets it why I do think people are reckoning. It's no longer something that is inaccessible, right?
0: Yeah. No, that, I think that that's super cool. I mean, I I've definitely learned in stages that all beings are beings. Like, there's definitely, I you know, I didn't have a. I think sometimes it has to be a personal connection. Like, I met a snake. And I saved it from a cat and it looked me in the eye and I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm helping you. And that was like, I was like, oh, now snakes, I get it now. Like they're just like a dog or, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it has to be like that, but yeah, I guess just that's, it's, it's so important what you're doing because it, there's other ways like, yeah, blackfish or I also noticed like PETA, for example, definitely makes their point. I know not everyone's a huge fan of theirs, but I feel like uh they're one of the best sort of advertising the best at advertising their cause of you know of they're, a they're lot.
1: brilliant they are brilliant at marketing I agree yeah um they really I don't always agree with everything they do but yeah they you know <laughs> they are brilliant at getting the point across and I think you do have to go to the extreme sometimes even to get people to be moderate so I, I think that that's, that's where you know their tactics come in um but yeah I mean I don't want to like, listen, the wild world can be terrifying. Like it is not this kind, you know, I've been watching, um, uh, the last of us have you been watching that. That's, oh my God. That so I haven't good. started
0: yet, but now it's not wildlife, <laughs> but they get into,
1: um, you know, it, it, in, for me, it's scarier than The Walking Dead. I love anything zombies I'm in. Oh, right?
0: Okay, cool. The Walking
1: Dead, what was scary was, the zombies didn't scare me in The Walking Dead. It was the people, right? The people were terrifying, right? Like, right. You know? <laughs> but what's wonderful about um what they do so well, like what's scary in The Last of Us is this fungus that has adapted and evolved. And it's based yeah. on a, a fungus that does do the same thing to wasp and, and, and spiders and stuff that literally takes over and makes you a zombie. And, um, but you know, it, it, to me, it, it gets it that like, you know, the wild world is not this, you know, uh, pastoral peaceful, you know, it can be quite cutthroat, but I think that's so can people. Right. And <laughs> right. so like, I don't want people to also, you know, romanticize wildlife. I mean, P22 needs to eat, right. He needs to kill yeah. deer and, um, there, there's never zero risk with wildlife any more than there's zero risk with people. I can't tell you you're going to walk down the street tomorrow and that you'll be hundred percent safe from being mugged or, or murdered. Right. I mean, so, but, but what I ask people to do is just put wildlife in perspective, respect wildlife, but don't fear them. You know, I mean, yeah. that, any more than we walk down the street and are in constant fear of people because people right. are way more riskier to be around than wildlife.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. I guess, i mean it seems pretty clear that when they're left alone like in great expansive places uh they're doing just fine they have their cycle and their system and they're fine it's it's just us that really is ruining everything i guess um
1: <laughs> yeah, kind I mean, of yeah it, right well <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> i think the wildlife has shown like my book when mountain Lines are neighbors was really on you know people and wildlife working it out in california it really was showing how it's us that need to adapt more. The wildlife are adapting yeah. as best they can. I mean, look at P-22 living under the Hollywood sign. You had like condors nesting in, in human spaces. You had, you know, foxes living on the Facebook campus. Um, you know, they're doing everything they can. Like, I didn't, I don't think P-22 is ever in Griffith Park thinking, oh, I want to be in a Yosemite. He just <laughs> wasn't, right? Um and um so they're adapting. They're not longing for these pastoral nature settings, but it's us who usually have the hang-ups like, "Well, why? Wait a minute. He shouldn't be there. There's there's people there," you know? Um Yeah. And so and listen, I had that for the longest time. It really was P22 that changed changed the game. So yeah, I think it's that people just need to We've been I think you know most of us trained since birth to have a preconception of where wildlife should be or what you know what it means to live with wildlife or not that again we can't even ignore the science around now we I mean we just have to change our views because they're wrong. Yeah. You know, and wrong. I, thank you so much. And is there um
0: to, is there any like head with environmentalists or do you guys agree generally on all of this. Oh, yeah. No, stuff.
1: there's, of course, there's headbutting. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's still, um, I'd say if we're just talking sort of wildlife, right, I think there's still, like we talked about with, you know, being criticized for crying over P22. Um, I think there's a lot of um, agencies across the country or nonprofits that approach wildlife still from that very, what I call the North American model of wildlife, which is we manage it. Part of managing it is us, you know, um, killing it. Um, You know, and I think what um, we're moving towards is this new sort of compassionate conservation is a a word I've heard that um, I like, which is that, um, you know, there are times where we have to make difficult decisions and, um do have to euthanize or, you know, take out wildlife. I mean, you know, if you have a grizzly bear and I lived in Yellowstone that is, you know, killing people, listen, that, you know, there's just, you know, we we much like if a person was going through your neighborhood right. killing people, sense. you would have to do something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's, you know, there's always the extreme cases where we do have to allow for that animals are going to have to be managed in a way that does allow for euthanasia or, or humane. Um, but I do think, um, you know, this sort of more compassionate notion of first do no harm is I think what, you know, we're seeing more so in California. And I think, you know, other places are starting to look at it, um, that the wildlife has value in itself, not just how we manage it to me, it gets back, um, to a more indigenous view yeah. of wildlife. Now, indigenous people had to eat wildlife, right? I mean, listen, I'm a vegan. Um, I but, you know, I recognize, listen, if you're somebody who's locally hunting you know, wildlife, I, I wouldn't do it. I may not agree with it, but I respect that's, you know, a good decision. I'd rather see that than these vast slaughterhouses of, you know, which are just, um, yes. but you know, the, what, you know, the indigenous, um, value was that wildlife are neighbors. And yeah, when we do have to eat our neighbors, we respect it. We honor that. And I think that for me, that's the ethic. I feel like we are circling too, at least yeah. that I hold that, you know, wildlife are teachers, their neighbors, their community members. And, um, and, and yeah, I do, I do think that value system is, is, is really starting to catch on. You see like a rise in veganism as well. Yeah. I mean, my God, I couldn't get any, you, you, being a vegan, even five or 10 years ago, your options were tofu and carrots and rice. Yeah. And now look at, I mean, I can take my meat eating friends, you know, I can go to a meat eating, a meat restaurant and still get great vegan options, right? Yeah, no,
0: it, that, that's definitely true. I think that that's a a good hopeful point is that we go on tour all the time. And for the past, you know, seven years or so, and there's definitely, it did go from being just like, you can have that, but just without the meat. to like, (laughs) there is actual food you can eat that's Mm -hmm. healthy and uh, as a normal meal but that that's that's actually true of every state in america so, it is no
1: it's it is everywhere I, grew, I was in new orleans big meat-eating state and yeah. i had uh, plenty of of yeah um, you know uh vegan restaurants so yeah i i think that that ethic um you know do we need everybody to go vegan no i mean again we listen i'm a biologist we're part of the food chain um yeah. but i we as humans i think what's good is do have the choice now not to because we do have these options yeah. but for me, I think if we just got back to more, uh, you know, if, if, uh, you know, a lot of people just got back to more meat as a, you know, I mean, you look at our human history, you know, meat was on the table maybe 20% of the time, you know, we mostly were. And I think that, um, and again, when, when, uh, a lot of, um, indigenous people's did have to go to hunt it was done with ritual and purpose and i think that at least would you know show some respect for this wildlife in a way we don't when we eat now you know we we just don't we don't we don't kill our own food so we don't have to face that pig looking at us right yeah but i think it's we eat though i think it's also like we talked about the tolerance for these wild animals on the landscape is increasing as well like p22 or coyotes or and recognizing that again it's not zero risk and we have to kind of step up and take some responsibility um because the animals can't like you know when p22 started you know at the end of his life there his behavior changed radically as we know i mean literally in the last six weeks And now we know why he was in immense distress. But for 10 years, he had, you know, um, lived quite like a mountain lion in Griffith Park. He was limited limited by being trapped. But he, Griffith Park has some very inaccessible areas. That's where he'd mainly retreat during the day to sleep. He primary, mountain lions, their primary prey is deer. That's what they want to take down. Um, but he'd take down an occasional. They had a couple times, in, you know, uh, a dog that had wandered into Griffith Park. He had he'd eaten dogs a couple times. For the most part, he ate deer. He'd come into the neighborhoods to travel, but he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't, um, wouldn't stay there or you know, hang out. And then the last six weeks, all of a sudden, you know, he he's going after dogs. It killed that first one, and then it just became a pattern. He's hanging out in the urban areas, but you know, there was still a tolerance for him and, yeah. you know, people still. And I think that, again, it's never zero risk, but um we can do things to protect our pets and livestock that, you yeah. know, for him, a dog is just, he doesn't know yeah. it's our pets. He just sees it as a, you know, a coyote, right? Or um, yeah. um like when he took co- the koala out of the zoo, which, you know, this is I amazingly, I mean, I mean, I mean you just. Can't beat that. Yeah, Yeah. he takes out one of the cutest animals on the planet, but also like (laughs) koalas and mountain lions never met before in evolution history. You know, so yeah, yeah, he just thought it was a raccoon. So, you know, (laughs) but what I love is people did step up, right? People, for the most part, with mountain lions or coyotes, are doing simple things to make sure we have to help them be successful. I remember up where I live up here outside Yosemite. I have every, I mean, I have mountain lions, bears in my yard, you name it. I am wild kingdom. I have five dogs and two cats. I've never had a problem. You know why? My cats are always indoors. My dogs have an eight foot run. They do not, they're not out at night. They're in a, you know, predators can't, and you know, they're, they sleep inside with me. So there is ways to coexist that I think we have to step up. And I remember a neighbor up here posted on a community board once, Well, I'm all about coexistence, but the bear broke into my chicken coop. So that's it. I'm going to shoot him. He broke the rules. And I I remember responding to her like, the bear doesn't know the rules. That's like telling a kid, you picked up the matches, you know, a a toddler, you picked up the matches, you deserve to get burned because you shouldn't know the rules. And so I think that we know the rules, the wildlife, that bear didn't know the chickens were a death sentence. So it's up to us to make sure we have chicken coops that predators can't get in right that's up to us and I think most people in LA are willing to do that and that's what's wonderful
0: yeah well that's I mean thank you so much for talking about all this I guess um uh, just like last question is um what like what do you think the um a major thing people can do right now to help um even if it's just in their mind or what, what do you think is the major thing that you wish people would do right now?
1: Uh, you know, I, probably a couple things. One is just, you know, explore, learn a little about wildlife. They become a lot less scary. Right. I mean um, uh, you know, if I, I can see why if somebody is, you know, on a trail and sees a 130 pound cat hissing at them, if you don't know lion behavior, why you'd be scared of that. Um, because yeah, that's looks like a scary situation. But indeed, if you knew a little bit about mountain lion behavior, you'd know the mountain lion in that situation is probably terrified of you and telling you get away. Right. So I think like learning about rattlesnakes or black widows. Like everybody kills rattlesnakes and black widows. Black widows are the most non-aggressive spider you can think of. You go to towards their web, they will cower. Now, there's no doubt if you get bit, it can be serious, but you know, you don't have to kill them all. In fact, you don't want to kill them all. They take out pests you want. So you can relocate them if you find them. Same thing with rattlesnakes. Listen, they can be deadly. And but on the other hand, we don't want a world without rattlesnakes because then you have vermin and they are the most non-aggressive snakes also. Uh, they will do everything they can. So learning a bit about wildlife, I think really helps with the fear, which then helps, you know, us not automatically, um react by killing something if it's, yeah. you know, if we see it. Um, I think the other thing is look at your homes. Uh, I think one of the best things the national wildlife Federation does my organization is what we call our uh, certified wildlife habitat or backyard for wildlife program. You can find it on the nwf.org website. There are simple things you can just do on your apartment balcony and your backyard that help wildlife. Um, Put in some native plants, a bird bath. You know, wildlife has lost so much habitat that even small little changes like that can help. Look at your property through a wildlife's eye. Do you are you using poisons? Get rid of them. Do you have lights on all night, or do you have really glaring lights that disrupts bird migrations, bats, you name it. Um, you know, is your fences inaccessible? Is it forcing wildlife to cross roads? Simple things like that make add up for a huge difference so those are simple things you every day can do to and they they really make a a big difference
0: thank you so much that's amazing those are easy things Mm -hmm. to do and I will uh link um your website and their website on Mm -hmm. the show notes is there any last thing you would like to say
1: you know I just I am so grateful to Angelinos and also the world. Again, part of my very personal grief, um, and I had to sort of have the professional side of that too, but what helped was just seeing, I mean, this P22 trended on Twitter. I mean, he was in Rolling Stone magazine. He was, (laughs) but to me, that was, yeah, it was fun to get the press, but it was deeper than that. It means people care. And So I think I just want to say a big thanks. It was a really hard time for me. It was hard to have to do interviews. You know, I get to sit with P-22 and say goodbye to him. That was the hardest moment of my life, not, you know, talking to him and knowing I could not do anything to help him. And, but what got me through that was just seeing that is hopeful for somebody like myself, who's been working in wildlife conservation for 30 years now to see the world rally around this cat and so cool. collectively, you, you know, you don't get many moments like that. I kind of liken <laughs> it to like when Game of Thrones is on and we all grieved over, it. <laughs> you know, you you could be on Twitter like, oh my God, I'm sad too. But, um, he, um, he brought us together and I hope that he will continue to bring, you know, there's not a lot of things we agree on these days. And I think for yeah. the most part he brought in his bringing, like with our celebration of life, he's, he, he brought LA together. And I think only good things can come of that yeah they, sure. thank you is what i want to say yeah
0: yeah thank you so much oh i just want to ask you one quick question too is uh you you wrote about our band or p22 wrote about it uh years and years ago do you remember that
1: i do i okay. remember when we first connected years ago okay. yeah yeah Because yeah, you guys did a uh i said didn't i send you t-shirts yeah I have yeah yeah i stuff. remember that yeah mm-hmm. yeah it just was like oh i just
0: and that like was the coolest thing ever I wanted to thank I forget
1: him. how that did you I think you mentioned him on stage or something or you commented on his page and this was when I was solely running I think the P22 Facebook okay. page okay yeah, yeah I've since um, i since got help but the first five years it was me being p oh. on Facebook and a colleague of mine Lee, but then we have some social I haven't totally given up because it is my yeah. favorite thing I've ever done but yeah I yeah, think you yeah. guys commented on a post I forget but okay yeah, it ended up in a fun connection yeah it was yeah really... that
0: was so cool I I remember that was something I shared with like my little nephews and everybody's yeah. like oh, the <laughs> mountain lion likes our band
1: um, yeah yeah I but, remember that well
0: thank you so much um and uh thanks thank for having you for, me mm-hmm. thank you so much we'll see you later <laughs> bye